you know, 2008 me was just blown back in my seat. And I was like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> yeah. Thrown back face. against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and he had you up by the neck, that one. <laughs> he had me by the throat. I was like, Murray! Murray! <laughs> Let me go! <laughs> too much, too much! <laughs> you've you've popped off too hard, Murray! Murray, Murray please! please. Girls and guys, welcome to Hula La. That was very musical. Hello, I'm Alistair. I'm Sam. And this is Hula La, a Doctor Who podcast. And this week, we're looking at soundtracks. Who's excited to be here? I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to... I'm big excited to be here. And here being, by the way, the comfort of our own homes. Yes, exactly. We're doing another sort of remote Zoomy episode. Uh, and I'm very excited for this one, uh, as Alistair is going to talk about his favourite thing in the whole wide world. And no, ladies and gentlemen, it is not me. <laughs> it is. Sam, it is really a love you. Oh, stop it, you. Uh, no, we're covering the uh, soundtracks of Doctor Who. Uh, I'm assuming mainly modern era. Oh, you might be in for a little surprise. I can do history. Ooh. I'm verse. Ooh. I'm not. <laughs> Obviously, I love the soundtrack. I have lots of personal memories listening to it. Um, and it's something that I love. It is not something I know tons about, if I'm honest. And so it's something that I'm very happy to have you teach me about in this episode. You're here to learn today. Today, I feel like I've really prepped an episode for you. Like, I feel like this is me taking you on a tour of history, um, fan discourse about the soundtrack. I think there's lots mm -hmm. within this. I think I'll surprise yeah. you pleasantly because normally I'm the unprepared one. <laughs> and I feel like this week I've actually brought something to the table. Well, I knew that you were sort of shaping the episode and I was like, you know what? I just want to see where this goes. I'm ready. To go. I'm ready to go. This is not scripted. This is off topic. What would be the soundtrack to your life? Pick one song. Oh, my God. Um, do you know what? I want to say Walking on Sunshine. Oh, because I am. Are you? <laughs> but no, that's also, that also would not be the soundtrack to my life. Um, well, like, what would it be played out to at your funeral? Is that too morbid for... Oh, no, that's not too, No, no, it's not too morbid, but that's a whole other question. I feel like the song of my life is probably actually something like Walking on Sunshine. I feel like I'm very kind of happy-go-lucky and um, always looking for the best in things. However, if you played that at my funeral, I would be very annoyed at the cheese of it all. Um, I the want... cheese of it all. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say the cheese of all. I think I want an ABBA song. At my outro, at my funeral, I think I'd want thank you for the music. Thank you for the music. Yeah. Genuinely. Oh, that, that would actually make me, well, let's hope it would make me cry. It'd be the first time I've cried in <laughs> hopefully many, many, many decades by the time that comes around. Oh but... <laughs> it would finally like squeeze some tears out of you. <laughs> finally. Dear listener, I can't cry and we don't know what's wrong. We're going to find out <laughs> soon. But what about you? What would your song of life, what would your song of life be? And then what would your song of death be? I, I truly honestly think the song of my life could easily be The Shepherd's Boy by Murray Gold. <laughs> but <laughs> the song I'd like to be played out to, I honestly think it would probably be a piece of soundtrack. I can see that for you. Um, I don't know what it would be yet. Because mm. it, otherwise it's going to be like, I don't know what, like Alice from Chromatica. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not going to, it's not, it's not funeral music, is it? I also feel like you've got to be careful when you're choosing a funeral song because you can't choose anything that people like <laughs> You've got to be careful when you're doing that as... <laughs> I'm always saying this. When I'm picking my funeral songs, I'm often saying this. If you choose a song that's too popular, 
then every time that you hear that, you like will be miserable. So I remember um, I went to a funeral and they chose Stairway to Heaven, which is actually a very nice like outro song. But then anytime I hear that now, I'm like, I've got to turn that off because like, um, that's a, this is going to be a weird segue into what we're talking about. But I used to have a fear that I would be watching Doctor Who as a, this was as a kid. Mm-hmm. I had a fear that I was watching Doctor Who, which was my favorite ever program. Sure. And that we'd get a phone call that someone had died. And then I would never be able to watch that episode again because God. it would always remind me of the phone call someone had died. You're so selfish. You're so selfish. It's not even like, oh, I'd really miss them. It's like, oh, that would really ruin that episode for me. Literally. I don't know why I had that like. You've got fear. your thoughts in just the right place. She needs to sort out her priorities. So I feel like this week I'm going to do something genuinely quite unusual for us and i'm going to take you on a bit of a show and tell this is my passion this is your passion my passion my passion for <laughs> your passion. zest for life my je ne sais quoi <laughs> this is my uh pano shock if you will <laughs> <laughs> so in my little history lesson here i'm going to refer to the term incidental music it's not a term i was re- familiar with mm. but this is what the aficionados use okay yes and that just means a song score or soundtrack created to heighten the emotions of a particular scene or performance mm-hmm. did you write this or are you reading this I wrote this. Okay, okay, okay. I wrote this myself. I know, beautiful. (laughs) Is it good? Yeah, it's good. I'm going to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout history, the music for Doctor Who has been as innovative as the show itself. The music has usually been specially commissioned for the show from freelance composers, although in early years, some episodes actually used stock music. Mm. In the classic era, which ran for almost three decades from 1963 to 1989, several composers contributed to the score. One notable composer was Dudley Simpson, who contributed to 62 stories over almost 300 episodes, more than any other composer. Fun fact, Dudley actually made a cameo appearance in a Tom Baker episode playing a conductor. Oh, that's really cute. I always like it when they manage to bring people in from like wider who, like the people in the production of who, and they like bring them into the show somehow. I think that's such a cute addition. So cute. Now at this point, I've got a little, I've got a little bit for you to listen to. This is a clip from The Invasion of Time. It's by Dudley Simpson. It's on the Doctor Who 50th Anniversary Collection soundtrack, Mm -hmm. and it gives you a flavor for the kind of soundtrack that was quite common at the time. Okay, and uh, for the listener's benefit, I'm going to play the soundtrack now. We'll cut and then jump back in. Yeah, have a listen. (laughs) That was a very quick pause for the audience. That's really cool. I think, so uh, one of my first um, classic stories that I was ever introduced to was The Five Doctors. I'm not sure that this piece of music is from that episode, but it's very reminiscent of that. Also something that I think a lot with um sort of classic late 70s 80s doctor who is they often get the doctor who theme like a few bars of the theme into the score of the episode so there'll be like a like like built into it and um that featured there it's also been done a couple times in uh new who i think it happened uh, the first time we saw the TARDIS, uh, when there was a panning shot in Rose, and you just quickly heard a little and um, they do that quite a lot here. So, have you heard of the Radiophonic Workshop? I have heard of it. I don't know much about it, but I have heard of it. Funny enough, you just said about the Five Doctors. Peter Howell is the one who actually put together music for um, The Invasion of Time, and he was part of the Radiophonic Workshop. Mm-hmm. And they did a lot of the Doctor Who soundtrack from the 80s onwards. So the Radiophonic Workshop was one of the BBC's sound effect units set up in 1958 to provide theme tunes, incidental music, and cutting-edge electronic effects for BBC programs. Mm. In 1963, the workshop was approached by composer Ron Grainer to record a theme tune. A 
Ron Grain is the name I know. Yes, and this went on to become one of their best known creations, the iconic and otherworldly electronic Doctor Who theme. Presented with the task of realizing Ron Grainer's score, complete with descriptions of sweeps, swoops, wind clouds, and wind bubbles, Delia Derbyshire created a piece of electronic music which has become one of television's most recognizable themes. I, I love how, I mean, the Doctor Who theme evolved for every iteration, every Doctor, every composer, but the core theme uh, before you get to the the like i remember when they changed um from series four to series five and they replaced it with a whole new the i was devastated they got rid of the like it's just if, so if you ask me. someone to hum the Doctor Who theme, what they'll do is dum ba dum dum ba dum and so like the, the, that's that's exactly. the definitive sound. Even though there's been so many little twists and additions to the theme over time, so Ron mm-hmm. Grainer wrote that theme on a piece of paper and gave that score to the Radiophonic Workshop, and that had instructions on it. So, for example, that bass line was meant to sound like perhaps a combination of guitars and oboes or something. Yeah. And there were all these descriptions scribbled on it, like this should be like clouds. That became something that Delia created by. Uh, creating filtered white noise and wind mm. bubbles that were created with something called a wobulator. So a what is, a fun- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, a, a wobulator. A wobulator. It's a real, it's a real <laughs> piece of kit. Is that one of the big sheets of uh, metal that goes? No, it's a, it's a real, it's a. I don't know. It's some. I tried to look up in prep for this. What the hell is a wobulator? And I, I don't. I'm actually gonna like. I mean, keep talking. I'm going to look up a wobulator. You look up the wobulator. I'll carry on telling you. Oh, it's a computer thing. Okay, cool. So. What you must watch as well, this is a piece of recommended reading. Can you believe this episode comes with reading materials? I love it. There is a fantastic 1965 episode of Tomorrow's World, and it looks at how the theme tune was developed. And this was done by the absolute genius Delia Derbyshire. She was a real pioneer of electronic music. She deserves far greater recognition. You hear a lot about her in the Doctor Who world, which is great. Um, But in this video, you can really hear her excitement. Um, It's not clear if she even realizes that this is such a huge stepping stone in music history. Mm. She's clearly just having a great time doing something really fulfilling. She's a very gifted artist within her medium. um, And Doctor Who wouldn't be the same without her and her incredible creative contributions. It's so interesting hearing so much about it because um, most of my knowledge about the uh, creation of Classic Who and the theme and such was from an adventure in space and time, the sort of docudrama they did for the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. starring David Bradley. And um, it was that's an incredible sort of look back on history. Obviously, there's certain things that they did in there or said in there that didn't happen. It's not like an exact verbatim thing, but they kind of, I don't say glossed over the creation of the theme, but I remember they seen where they were pitching Doctor Who, they went, oh, we've got a fantastic team uh, making the theme tune. And they had like a 20, 30 seconds sort of montage of like the the workshop mm-hmm. making it and using like the key to make the sort of yeah. sound. And um, they just like glossed over it quite quickly. But... Yeah, it's really great to hear more about Delia Derbyshire and the actual importance. She's in the 30th anniversary um, documentary about Doctor as well, and it's just really great, sort of like getting to know more about her. Yes, it's very cool because um, a lot of the sort of sounds that were created by the workshop are very ahead of their time. 
they sound very futuristic, but the way they created the sounds kind of look very analog. And there's stuff now that you could do very quickly with software. Mm -hmm. It was a very manual process then, but the sounds they've created are, are pretty timeless. Yeah. Over the next quarter century, the workshop contributed a lot to Doctor Who, providing a vast range of unusual sound effects from the TARDIS dematerialization to the sonic screwdriver, mm -hmm. as well as much of the program's distinctive electronic incidental music, including nearly every score from 1980 to 1985. From the 2005 revival to the 2017 Christmas episode, Twice Upon a Time, all the incidental music for the series was composed by Murray Gold and Ben Foster, and has been performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales from the Christmas episode, The Christmas Invasion Onwards. And there's a lot of really beautiful themes that he wrote for the first series, like um, Rose's theme is very memorable. Um, we're both big fans of Westminster Bridge, the opening scene where Rose is going to work that still makes us feel like bad bitches. Love Westminster Bridge. I love um, the Boomtown Suite. I think Boomtown Suite is one of my favourite things from series one. One of my favourites is actually the track Slovene, <laughs> which is kind of weird. <laughs> the um, Dalek theme. I love the Dalek theme. Oh, the Daleks are good. You'll also remember a concert that took place featuring music from the first two series. It took place on the 19th of November, 2006, to raise money for torsion and need. It was Doctor Who at the Proms. It was hosted by David Tennant, who introduced different sections of the concert. Uh, they were joined by Murray Gold and Rusty Davies, who answered questions during the intervals. And Daleks and Sidemen appeared while music from their stories played and they walked up and down the aisles. Yeah, no, that was the one we discussed last week. That's the one which had the Runaway Bride uh, bit at the end. Yes, that would make sense. So that one might not be in the Royal Albert Hall, but the second one definitely was. So the second one was in July 2008, mm -hmm. and that was part of the BBC Proms. That featured the BBC Philharmonic and the London Philharmonic Choir performing... Murray Gold's compositions for the series. This was the proms that was hosted by Freema Agman, if I believe correctly. That, that feels right. That feels right to me. That one featured numerous monsters in the proceedings, and there was a special mini-episode, Music of the Spheres, mm -hmm. written by Rusty Davies, starring David Tennant. Do you remember that? I do remember that. It's him uh, with the quill whistling at the beginning, and it's become a bit of a meme. <laughs> yes, and doesn't he throw down papers to the orchestra halfway through it, and then papers fall from the ceiling? Yeah, and they all fall down. And they have to catch them, and then they play the music he's written. Yeah, no, exactly. And, he, and it, it was awful. It was just like, like, terrible. And a grask was in it, I think, at the end, the grask. Yes, yes. There's always a grask. I love the grask. We didn't see enough grask. It's so, like, fun. It's so fun and, like, sillily done. Because the grass for, I know we're doing, like, a, a B track the grass first turned up in a red button game that they filmed special bits for uh in i believe it was 2006 in between the christmas invasion and new earth where the doctor had dropped rose off uh on an adventure somewhere so billy piper wasn't in it and it was david tennant and you were the companion and you had to it was called attack of the grass oh I think. yes and you ended up in its lair and it like frozen different aliens and a slovene escapes at the end mm -hmm. um and then the grass sort of turns up more in the sarah jane adventures i think we get a grosk which is a blue oh, sort of version slay. of the grosk I would be happy for the grass to come back in a in some kind of format. So there were more proms than that. There was, I remember there was definitely one for Matt Smith's series because I remember there was one with Silurian. So that must have been at the end of series five. And I think that one featured a suite of all the companion themes together. I'm sure that was played at some point. It went kind of all the way through Rose to Amy. I definitely think that was on one of them. I also have very vivid memories of the one that they did at the tail end of Matt Smith's era when him and Clara scratched a golden ticket that won them seats to the proms and they end up in the orchestra and it was after Matt Smith had shaved his head so he turns up and he was like oh yes, yes something went wrong with the trans mat and I lost my hair <laughs> yes that was the 50th anniversary prom and I think that was the last one they did 
I don't think they've done another one since. And that's so sad because I like remember, I mean, we touched on it last week, but I used to love getting the DVDs that would then have the proms as sort of like a special feature on the Christmas special episode disc. Mm-hmm. Um, because then you could always like go back and watch the prom. And it's just such an amazing and I think accessible way for people to truly appreciate the soundtrack. Because I think the soundtrack makes up so much of someone's enjoyment of the show. I mean, in Doctor Who talking about now, but it just is true with any TV and film. And I think that it's so incredible to have a whole program point of my word uh to really show the wide audience is a great live event for the people to get to go but then also people like myself and i'm assuming you who never got to go to be able to sort of experience that themselves and see the monsters with real people and what i loved about the versions that they would then release publicly if you didn't obviously get to attend is they would like cut in little behind the scenes bits i remember on the first proms uh the first or two proms uh having david tennant like he, they were filming at like six in the morning. He was like, "It's freezing. We're outside the um the Royal Albert Hall. We're getting ready to do our rehearsals." And they would like intersperse these little behind the scenes clips throughout the proms. And I just thought that was such an interesting like inside look into it. I was such a fan of the proms at the point they did the Matt Smith one. I can't remember how many years ago that must have been. It must have been like two thousand and eleven or something like that. I remember I was on holiday somewhere with my sister. And we played it on whichever radio station was doing it. It must have been Radio 6 or something. Mm. And we listened live to the proms, which is the only time we do I mean, like, like how, how middle class are you as a family to be <laughs> listening to proms on your holiday? I certainly but, I mean, to it. We, loved it. we were like, oh, my God, it's, it's Amy's theme. And it was, we, like, we had loved it. Oh. But, the yeah, the, the, the Murray Gold soundtracks have been on my iPod, then phone from Day Dot. And mm. they have been, like, consistently some of my most played most favorite music my most comforting most favorite songs to listen to i, I listen to like dog 2 soundtrack like every week like mm-hmm. if not most days probably it's so funny because i feel like i so i used to always um i'm gonna i'm gonna admit to an illegal here i'm so sorry i used to have youtube downloader as a kid and i um before i then went and bought all the soundtracks and had them on my ipod and stuff i used to YouTube download the whole soundtrack, burn it to a disc, and then play it on my CD. <laughs> I say burn it to a crisp. Burn it to a crisp. Burn it to a disc, and then play it in my like you know the big chunky CD players you'd have in your room. Oh, and yeah. that'd be how I'd listen to it. Um, and I used to love listening to um the songs with what like the songs with words the songs uh obviously i love the score i love the incidentals but um song for ten will always be one of my favorite. Uh, pieces of Doctor Who music, I'll say. Um, so it's the one, obviously, just after David Tennant's regenerated and sort of Rose has finally accepted him as the Doctor. And um, it's so celebratory. Um, Love Don't Roam, which is the song from The Runaway Bride, when the Doctor's at the wedding reception and he's missing Rose and he's sort of imagining seeing her in places. Um, also Tallulah's song in Series 3, uh, Put the Devil in Me. I just oh, think you love the lyrics. I, I love the lyrics. the lyrics. You hate the lyrics? I do not. I don't like lyrics. You put you oh, you lured me in with your cold gray eyes, your simple smile and your bewitching lies. Ah! And then there's this bit where he goes, one and one and one is three. My bad <laughs> angel, you put the devil in me. Oh, I love it. Oh my God. Stop mm. that. Stop that. Stop that. Do you not like the ones with words? No, not at all. I really, I, I hate <laughs> musicals. 
So that's oh, the see, I like. love musicals. No, I love musicals. That's probably why. I don't. I'm not into musicals. Uh, the soundtrack I love because I feel that Doctor Who's suite of music now and soundtrack generally is so broad. You can just like really escape with it and do what you want with it in your head, you know. And I feel like yeah. something about musicals with words, it fixes you to a particular thread, a particular place, a particular scene. And I find that less interesting to listen to. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense, but it's also funny because like when you and me talk about specific songs, you'll be like, do you not, do you remember that was in the bit where they said this and they did that and they, and you'll like link it to that specific point. I'll link it to that when I talk about it and be like, do you remember it from this? But when I re-listen, mm. I'm not just playing scenes back No, that's fair. Yeah. I'm enjoying it and thinking about other things. Whereas I am a gay that absolutely loves loves a musical loves a musical me and um i never really to be honest put the link of the two and two together of saying that i love the i mean i do love like the score i love the music like i said westminster bridge um there's so much of um i love martha's theme i love adore donna's theme um mm-hmm. so there is so much that i love but i i never really put two and two together about that i love musicals and i love the songs because i don't think of them as musical songs so one thing that I really loved, I've seen before. I, well, it's quite hard to find that much from Murray Gold. I feel like in my head, he's such a major celebrity that everyone should know because he's my Beyonce. But then it's quite hard to find much by way of interviews or info from him. Mm. And I would I'd love to hear him do a proper hour-long podcast podcast that we, we must invite him oh mr. Well, gold mr gold, <laughs> mr. gold. Um, <laughs> i don't think we can afford we, him we have to send him a letter <laughs> we should send him a handwritten letter and be like beg please i'm your biggest fan of so the interesting thing though that i have heard about murray gold's process when he was working with rusty davies one is that rusty davies always begs for murray gold is what I've heard, is that he says to the producers of whatever he's working on that he works really, really well with Murray Gold. So he's worked with him, at least I know, on years and years. And that soundtrack is phenomenal. It's never been released. I have to listen to, like, unreleased clips on YouTube, which sucks. But it's fantastic. Such, like, a frantic, frightening, exciting, um, kind of, like, it uses really eerie vocals as kind of an instrument. It's really, really good. You have to go and listen to it. Yeah, because he did years and I also know he did It's a Sin as well, and I think the music, again, in that, it's such a great mix of, like, eerie and, like, l- like love and joy and then fear and sadness. Like, he really, like, just covers the whole emotional spectrum. Yes, so he got very involved with Rusty Davies, lots of very close contact with him while he was writing, before and during production. So he said that by the time episodes were being edited, the scores were kind of already halfway done. So he, I don't know if it's just because Russell was like a very experienced writer and he was able to give things to the composer that early. I don't think that's the normal process. Um, for example, Michael Giacchino, who's mm. composed tons of stuff, including all the new Spider-Man films with Tom Holland, Star Trek, um, the most recent films. Um, he says he prefers to only see a finished edit and nothing before that point because he wants to see it as a viewer receives it. And really? he doesn't want to see any other cuts before that point. So I, I think it's more normal that a composer sees a finished piece, whereas Murray, I think, was getting a much more... Um, much more of a preview early to start thinking about the way that the soundtrack complements the story. Mm. Though that's so funny. I think like Danny Elfman works in a very similar way. Danny Elfman's obviously, he's worked um, on so many different projects. He uh, is um, most notably working, not most he one of his notable ones is um, Nightmare Before Christmas. And I know that he works in a very similar way that 
with the edit and the director throughout the whole process he's very involved and i think sometimes they make creative choices on the edit based on his ideas for the music and vice versa i'm not sure if that's the same case for my gold but it's really interesting like you said some people would like to only see the end product and then work from that a very notable thing is that over quite a long period that Murray Gold was writing for Doctor Who, I think he wrote for 12 years mm -hmm. for Doctor Who, during that time the body of work really evolved and some people say that if you kind of were to tell them that Murray Gold left at the same time that Russell T Davies did and there was a new composer by the end of Peter Capaldi's era, you you'd believe them because apart from the motifs being the same, that music becomes much more fantasy. It becomes much grander. Um, it almost sounds whimsical. Uh, uh, well, and more in line as well with kind of the sort of MCU style kind of hero movie soundtracks. They've become much more, mm. um, I don't know how to describe that well, um, but the sound has evolved. No, I know what you mean. I always think of, uh, in the line of that, I'm thinking of in Asylum of the Daleks when they're looking down towards the planet. It's very, like, yes. action, filmy. It's very marvel -y. I think that's a very good reference. Yeah. Um, and it yeah. is completely different to how he was producing music for, say, Series 1 and 2. Yes, you. It's it's surprising how much it's evolved. So we'll we'll get back to talking about kind of the differences between the recent composers. Let's talk now about Sega Nakiola. So... On the 26th of June, 2018, mm -hmm. at this point, we already knew that Murray Gold had left the show and Chris Chibnall was going to be writing, showrunning, producing the new series. So to date, Sagan has worked on 33 projects, as according to IMDb, including Doctor Who, but who is definitely the most notable work that he's done. And the rationale for bringing him in is really interesting. So Chris Chibnall wanted to take, I think, deliberately a really different direction with the soundtrack at this point. He said, bringing him in, he's a real rising star that a lot of people were talking about in the music composition world. His experimentation, the use of sounds, the use of electronic and found sounds, along with orchestrated sounds, he was very interested in building a world around the show. He was fascinated with the history of the music of the show. Of course, when the show first came out, it was pioneering. Delia Darbashir helped set up the Radiophonic Workshop and helped create the original sound with Ron Grainer's theme tune, and all those sounds are still ahead of their time. They're still cutting edge 55 years later. And then Segun said, I studied some of the stuff about the Radiophonic Workshop when I was going through my GCSEs, and that was really, really important because that left an impression on me about music and what could be done. It was no longer a case of it just had to be a piano or an orchestra or a rock band or something. It could be found sounds that you were manipulating and working with and playing around with and so much more. What's great is being able to bring that side of things into the show. So when people do a direct comparison with, oh, I prefer my music, it's not really a comparison because <laughs> what they're aiming for is so different. The soundscape is really mm. not the same thing. So I will come on to talk a little bit more in a moment about kind of the comparison, but what what they were really looking for was I think something that was much more deliberately atmospheric and almost returned, I think, to the classic um uh electronic sound of doctor who and it it wasn't yeah. looking to have big bombastic, bombastic kind of very clear declarative themes it was looking to have something i think that was deliberately mm. more subtle and blended into kind of the atmosphere it's interesting because it, i guess it's the double-edged sword because i and i certainly this one have to be very aware of my nostalgia for it because i feel like i obviously grew up with my gold's music and doctor who um, and to be honest, by the time um, Chris Chibnall, Joni Whitaker had come into the show, um, and Sagan was obviously, uh, and Sagan was obviously composing, 
um i was not as avid a doctor who enthusiast i'll say at that point um and so i just didn't consume as much of the media i wasn't re-watching episodes as much and so i don't think i have that like personal link with the music and i think it's a really good point that you're saying that they were quite deliberately going for that like atmospheric blending in together because i think it's a double-edged sword in that at least for me it's harder to pluck out different things i like and so i think um for me when people talk about rose's theme or donna's theme or the doctor's theme um it's really clear for me to be able to pick those out and maybe this is just a case that i haven't given his music enough of a fair listen to i certainly haven't listened to the soundtracks like alone i know they've recently been releasing this the special mm-hmm. soundtracks and i need to go through and properly listen to all of those there's a new piece on the power of the doctor soundtrack called i think she's she's the doctor oh okay and everyone has been going on about that one and i really do need to listen to that because for me i think it did kind of blend so much into the body of the show that there aren't as many noticeable standouts for me but i don't think that that would be a fair argument on mine to be like oh well one is better than the other i just think that i have to be more aware of how i've consumed the media of one compared to the other yes so let me give you a little run through from the comparison let me let me summarize the discourse in a little kind of few bullets mm-hmm. for you here and then after this we'll come on to talk about who who the future composers of the show might be so for me, I think like you, I actually really prefer Murray Gold's style. I think it's not just nostalgia, mm-hmm. but I think it's also taste. And I think that's fine. I think it's the kind of music I enjoy yeah. listening to. We all like different things. We all like different things and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to follow your art. We, I think, are both drawn to the very memorable, strong, engaging pieces. At points, I think, during maybe series two, those have been too strong. There have been points where it's been overwhelming and it's potentially even kind of distracted from what would be good. What would be a bit that you, what would be like a point of reference for that for you? I remember there was a parody done about Doctor Who series two and it was done by, I can't remember who it was. It was the really famous impressionist and there was a whole sketch. I think it was on Dead Ringers. Right. And they have this gag where Rose and the Doctor come out of the TARDIS and they're like, what, Doctor? Like, I can't hear you over this soundtrack. And they're like, <laughs> kind of scream over each other. But the dramatic music is actually like, like they're unable to actually get yeah. their words out. So I, I can't pinpoint a part. I think there was just, I just know there was a general criticism that that series is perhaps where it became a little more obnoxious. Right. Um, look, I didn't notice it at the time. I love it all. There are so <laughs> many themes. I mean, too many to name. There's music I listen to honestly all the time on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So much so that for my Spotify wrapped, I have to go into a private session so that Murray Gold doesn't dominate my actual music taste because I've been listening. I want your 2023 um, resolution to actually be to never do that again because I would love to see your Spotify wrapped of like which songs and which scores you're like listening to. I, I, I want to see the truth. Well, this year I've committed to do that. and I've already been doing it so far. So be assured, Murray Gold is back on the top artists for this year. I'm going to be back in the okay. top 0.001%. Um, yeah. So many themes are memorable. The Doctor's theme reoccurring throughout the series. Rose's theme, The Doctor mm-hmm. Forever. Dark and Endless Dalek Night. Um, vale Dachem. Uh, Martha's Quest. Martha Triumphant. <laughs> like, there's so many things. Yeah. There's so many. I love the one at the end of series four. What's the, what's the one at the end of series four? Um... Uh, oh, uh, the Song of Captivity and Song of Victory, I think. I actually hate those. I'm not kidding. Oh, okay. Well, I love them. <laughs> I'm so not into those. But um, I... <laughs> you know, like, I hate them. But yeah, yeah, you you do do you. Yeah, sure. Like, I hate it. But you do you. His final episode was Twice Upon a Time. And in that episode, 
his soundtrack goes off because he sort of does a victory lap of all of his best bits. So if you rewatch that, he throws in so many iconic little motifs throughout that. It pops off and he adds so much. He almost, he's almost showing yeah. off at this point. He's like, look Let at me everything show I've you done. How good I am now. Yeah, but it but adds so much like effortless richness to it all. Mm. Just chucks it in. You know, he almost throws in um the eleventh doctor's theme, which is already a banger. And somehow elevates it again, mm. even though it's been done in so many different ways so many times. I am the Doctor, the Murray Gold I am the Doctor, is, I, I will talk, so I've spoken now, especially having done this podcast to people who aren't huge Doctor Who fans or viewers, whatever, but the dun 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 dun, which was after Russell had left going into Steve Moffat's era, obviously, I think that has become as notable a piece of music for modern Doctor Who fans, arguably, as the theme tune for the yes. show. I, my favorite theme, and I've listened to many, and there's many fan themes. There's many fan themes I've listened to, which are really, really good. But I do sincerely think mm. that the original 2005 theme is the best one. I don't think there's a better version, though. No, that is my favorite theme. Really? There's a few things in there with the strings that are unique to that version. Um, now, this is niche. Are you ready for niche? Are you ready for niche? Here's niche. The <laughs> Series 2 closing theme. There's an element in that which I can only really find referred to as like the train whistle, right? There's this kind of, it's like the, and then, <laughs> no, wait, 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 I have to, it's kind of, the kind of comes on and it's like, it comes out, so the Doctor Who logo pans across the screen, <laughs> the old kind of taxi logo. And at that point, there's this kind mm. of, plays, anyway, <laughs> if you find it, I swear I to, to you, it's so good. Anyway. <laughs> are you sure are you sure, are you sure you know this is happening I, i'm kidding <laughs> what i, I was just gonna say because it's so funny because i i do like the 2005 but the 2008 theme is my the favorite kind of rock for sure version. when they um had, had a lot more of like the it was a lot more rocky and i i thought that i remember when partners in crime came on and i think that was the first use of it and i was just kind of like you know 2008 blown back in my thrown back against the walls yeah, he had, he had you up by the neck, that one. <laughs> he had me by the throat. I was like, Murray! Yes. Um, Murray! Help! <laughs> Let me go! <laughs> Murray! Too much, too much! Again. Okay. <laughs> too much, Murray! You've popped off <laughs> too hard, Murray! Murray, Murray please! Please, Murray. Murray, I'm screaming! <laughs> 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 oh, oh my god so he really had us all, <laughs> had us all by then. he still does he's still got one foot on my chest and he still we're doing an old podcast Ooh. about him the one really major difference between gold and Akiola is that gold's music it's very easy to just listen to a whole track it is qualified on its own a three to five minute piece which is brilliant emotional experience mm -hmm. from start to finish it builds it swells it's exciting all the way through and if you Completely. listen to Akiola music, and I have listened to some of the newer soundtrack releases, like the... Um, so, okay. for example, I listened to the whole Eve of the Dalek soundtrack, and my feeling is that you get these bursts of beautiful music throughout, and maybe it's just the way it's been released and cut, but you mm -hmm. listen to a few, even the really great ones. So, like, you really need to get out those clothes, which plays when um, Jodie gets her new outfit, 13 gets her new look. Mm. It is, it, it's really good. It starts off like, whoa, and then it tapers off after about a minute. And you're like, oh, on the whole, with Sagan, 
people, I think, are a little too harsh on his work. People make the comparison that essentially boils down to he's not Murray Gold, but as I've kind of tried to make an argument for, he doesn't need to be and isn't trying to be. And I I think what people say particularly is that if you listen to his music in isolation and you listen to the soundtrack, there's nothing really wrong with it. It's really good, nice sounding, competently written music with some memorable melodies in there. So particularly the Sideman theme, Mm. people love that. Um, the master theme. And if you don't remember what that is, it's the Evil Dan theme. Oh. And I think particularly in series 12 and 13 and the specials, people say he really grew into the music. And as well, what I want to say is that this is someone who's also quite relatively early in his yeah. career and has freshly graduated, honestly, like in the last 10 years. So I'm, you know, like this, this achievement is massive. Oh, completely. To be writing music for, um, you know, a huge prime time series that's been going for 60 years is is massive. and we do have to remember as well that much as i do love murray gold's music for like we said you can pluck out your favorite sort of pieces soundtrack and incidental music is written to complement the program that you're watching and it isn't there to be like a traditional song you're not meant to it's not written for the sake of saying here is a piece you will really like on its own it's written to help tell the story that you're watching on screen yeah the last thing I'll say about Murray, though, that is really special, you know, I'm such a fanboy. It's it's the motifs <laughs> for me, the way the themes present that really satisfies it's me. It's the motif for me, baby. It's the motif for me. It's the way you get these callbacks. So you get the Doctor's theme in series one, that kind of spooky, haunting sound. It gets repeated again at the end, Hellbent 412. Just just to check with you, that's ooh, isn't it? Ooh. the fact we know it by heart says a lot uh the face of Bo, the doomsday music gallifrey oh doomsday is incredible yeah gallifrey got a lot of twists on it as well this is gallifrey there was Mm -hmm. this was gallifrey was the kind of mournful version this is gallifrey it got kind of a more positive rendition like in uh to save the doctor Mm -hmm. is a is kind of upbeat version of the same song um all the companion themes that that kind of create mm. an unconscious feeling before you've even matched it with what's happening. You hear Donna's theme and you know mm. who she is. The the sound itself has as much character as she does. In and I I will say of all Murray Gold's music, and I do think I think like Rose's theme is one of my favorites because it's so beautiful. But Donna's theme, I have never heard a piece of music for film or television, specifically as a theme for a character that means that you could have never watched the show before. You could not know the actress, but you will hear Donna's theme. And you know and who she you is. you can tell exactly who she yeah. is. I couldn't do that with Rose's theme. I don't think I could do that with Martha's theme. I don't think I could do Amy. Mm-hmm. Donna's theme, you know exactly who she is. Mm-hmm. I am a doctor and a good man. Those always really signify mm-hmm. that something's about to go down. And The Shepherd's Boy, which almost became, I mean, for me, it's one of my absolute top favorite pieces of music. I didn't realize until recently it plays a couple of times. The Shepherd's Boy plays actually during Hellbent or maybe Heaven Sent when the Doctor is Mm. breaking out of the castle in the kind of time dial. Um, That's not the name of it, but you know what I mean. (laughs) And it also plays during the day of the Doctor when the three Doctors together decide they're going to save Gallifrey and not destroy it. So it it, it was really Mm. nice. There's sometimes a link that is so satisfying in Murray Gold's music. Mm Mm-hmm. Would you like to now finally talk about what we'd like from a future composer? I'd love to hear about some future composers. 
So there's a few people who are penned to potentially be future composers from the show. So one is, I'm going to say his name wrong, Blair Mowat. Mowat Mowat, I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry to Blair. I'm sorry to that man. But he composed the music for the Doctor Who spin-off class. And he's scored no. big Finnish Doctor Who audio adventures. And he's worked as an arranger with Murray Gold on Doctor Who before. That's one option. Mm -hmm. Another name I'm mm -hmm. going to butcher. Are you ready for this? Lorne Balfe. I'm going to get that wrong. L-O-R-N-E-B-A-L-F-E. <laughs> I'm going to say Lorne Balfe and not Lorne Balfe. He created... Not Lorne Balfe. Not Lorne Balfe. He scored uh, Bad Wolf's adaptation of uh, His Dark Materials. Okay. And his possible participation in Doctor Who is a bit of a long shot, but I'm thinking with the big budget, maybe not. He mm -hmm. has been scoring films like Top Gun Maverick, The Lego Batman Movie 2, Mission Impossible mm -hmm. Dead Reckoning. Um, so maybe? Possible. What I think is going to happen is we're going to see Murray Gold return for the 60th specials only because it will rely on a lot of his themes mm -hmm. for... Um, kind of the little nostalgia trip that it will be handing over to a new era and i think then for the new era we're gonna have a new composer for shooty onwards mm -hmm. I, I remember murray gold said something like he was really happy with the body of work he'd done for doctor who but he'd done it for such a long time he was just ready for a new challenge and ready to try something else i think he's done with the main show he'll probably come back for a little bit of a trip for the 60th but i think beyond that we're going to get someone new i was going to say i completely agree i think he would have to come back or they'd have to strike some kind of deal with him that they will be using a lot of his music like when we see donna like we said there's no way we're not going to hear some kind of version of donna's theme i think he would find it quite a fun romp that like you said he did it for so long and i completely get that he was like i've kind of done all i want to not necessarily done all i can do but i've done all i want to do and i'd like to go do other things and i think that in a similar way to david tennant and russell and Catherine tate saying like wouldn't it be fun to come back and do one more like not not, not the commitment of doing like future seasons and whatever i think he would enjoy the fun of coming back and doing it again like you said for three specials it's not a big commitment to a series but then what it seems like to me the doctor who as a whole is being sort of shaped to be something new and going forwards i think they will it's not like murray gold's back again going forwards i think that he'll be doing the special thing going forward with the new composer i think so Another option that had been kind of thrown out there was maybe like they did in the 80s, they could just rotate composers. So maybe we don't need the composer for Doctor Who anymore. They could still create themes. They could, uh, you know, still have these memorable motifs. But perhaps we don't have one composer anymore. Perhaps we swap them out every series. That'd be interesting as well. And one last thing I'd like to round off on as well is a big shout out to everyone out there who is making fan music for Doctor Who. I have so <laughs> many favorites. I mean, one of our favorites, Dalekian, who has made the theme tune for this show and we've used mm -hmm. it. We are so grateful for that. But there is mm -hmm. so much good stuff out there. So many great like remasters of classic themes that are being done by fans. Mm -hmm. Like really like amazing moving scores being written as well. There's one that I retweeted on our Twitter at Hulalapod. Little plug for you there. It's from <laughs> at Shay underscore 0505. It says he's 17, which oh blows my, my mind. But he has been rewriting scores how they would have been done by Akiola for series four moments. So mm -hmm. scenes that were originally done by Murray Gold, and I've got to say some of them are better. There's one scene in particular, which is the Dr. Rose reunion from the end of series four. I cannot stop replaying it. It is more moving than what was done at the time, which was just Rose's theme. 
for the listeners' benefit, Al- Alistair has been sending me these, I think, every other day. He's like, have you seen this one? Have you heard this one? Have, have you seen, heard this have one? Seen, and they seen. are amazing. And that is insane that guy is 17. Jesus Christ. Incredible. Like, I think this also, like, speaks to the fact that there is so much room for new talent to step in and do something original here as well. So I'm really interested to see what happens going forward. Completely. And I think that's what we've got time for. Alistair, thank you so much for this episode. I know, uh, like, snaps for Alistair, snaps for Alistair. He has really, you've really put your all into this. I know you've been really excited to talk about this. Um, I know we have been putting off doing the long game. Well, it's not that we've been putting it off, but we just have so many other exciting things to talk about. And I want to thank you for uh, taking me through this journey on who story. You're so welcome. I'm sorry to have completely dominated an hour of your Sunday night, but hopefully <laughs> you found something in it and enjoyed being able to sit back a little more for this episode. Oh my God, no, I love it. I love hearing about Doctor Who and like learning. I love the bits that I didn't know. Like I said, I think Murray Gold is where my nostalgia and knowledge lies. So learning more about before him and after him and looking towards the future as well. I think that's so exciting. So thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Well, dear listeners, we'll speak to you soon. In the meantime, do not forget to check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Your engagement means the world to us. We're whores for likes and anything you can give us, (laughs) we'll lap that up. And you can always watch these podcasts back a couple of weeks later on our YouTube channel at Pod, same as our Twitter and Instagram. We post them a couple of weeks after posting the podcast generally to the world. Uh, So you can always watch on there. Until then, see you soon. See you soon. Bye.